Welcome to another episode of the Intentional Power Podcast. In this episode, Tangela and Stephanie bring in a friend, Emily Elrod. Emily is a podcast host of Unapologetically Bold and the owner of Worksby. She also is a physiologist, meaning that she loves to nerd out about how the body works. And that's exactly what she does in this episode with Tangela and Stephanie. Listen in as you can learn new ways for tricks and tips to bring psychological safety to your area. Intentional Power is a continuation of an ongoing dialogue between two friends, Tangela Johnson and Stephanie Crow. And now you. These dynamic, seasoned female leaders cover real topics that traverse the rich and sometimes bumpy adventure they call life. In sharing their experiences and perspectives, Tangela and Stephanie ask you to come along the ride with inspiration, laughter, and intentional power, as their goal is to move more leaders toward fulfilling their highest purpose, leveraging their interest and passions, making a difference in the world, and monetizing their value. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hello. We have a special guest with us today who's uh, just full of so much wisdom, mm. even though she looks 10. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll kick us off. And then Tangela, I'm going to let you facilitate this conversation. We, I love how adaptable we are. Mm -hmm. We wrapped a wonderful conversation around micro moments and receiving feedback and um, staying kind of intentional with our direction and what we're doing every day, whether it feels big or small. Mm -hmm. And something that came up at the end of that conversation was how important psychological safety Mm-hmm. And trust is when you're delivering feedback to people, mm-hmm. for them to be in a place where they can receive it. And who better to talk about the physiological reasons why somebody feels safe? Yeah. And how safety is fostered in a conversation and in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So, with that, Tangela, I'll let you tell the audience about Emily. So, Emily is amazing. I met her a few years ago. Um, in a leadership class that I was teaching. And I remember, um, you know, there were maybe about 25 people. It was a whole series. We spent like six months together. And I remember her being such a bright spot in the class and so open to learning and so teachable and hungry for wisdom. You know, and, and, and it was a great class. There were, were some other great people in there as well. But Emily just stood out as someone who was who was different. And so um, passionate. That's the word I would use. Passionate and, and a sense of purpose. That was just kind of normal for her. And so she and I really reconnected, I guess, about a year ago. It was before the pandemic. And uh, she's been such a blessing to my life in so many ways. Um, so when we talk about psychological safety, you know, we talked about micro moments. We have to recognize that um, it's incumbent on all of us to share information and feedback with other people, but in a way that they can receive it in a way that they can receive it. So what does that look like for you? You know, if you are not, um, if you're not authentic, um, if you really don't care about that individual um, and you're just kind of rattling off some nonsense to a person, you're missing a micro moment because you have no idea how much impact you can have on a person's life. So Emily, just kind of tell us how psychological safety even works from a physiological standpoint, because Stephanie and I, Stephanie is awesome at it. You know, I remember when I first talked to her about my financial situation, she didn't judge me and I felt Mm -hmm. safe talking to her. 
And um, so I think Stephanie and I both do that. We have no idea how. Uh, so please tell us what it is that we've been doing all these years. <laughs> well, thank you both for having me on, ladies. Y'all are such an amazing group of women that I'm blessed and fortunate to even get to know and get to work with. And through the conversation, whenever you asked me about doing this, my first thought is like, oh, I'm so honored. Uh, but on top of that, I just want to say that I love the work that you're doing. And here's the reason why. You, in essence, are even in doing this, building psychological safety because people are getting to hear you. They get to hear your truths. And one beautiful thing of it is your authenticity. So from the human aspect of it, and this is why I think it's so important in work for people to understand how humans are designed. So we might can tap into this a little bit quicker to understand. Yeah. So in the body, we have something called serotonin, which nobody ever remembers the name. So I call it the safety cop of the body. So obviously it's going to be important in psychological safety, but a big part of that is it's actually in your gut. Tangela, you talk a lot about intuition and being intuitive. <laughs> that literally is serotonin. That literally is, is that you've worked on that enough times that you know when your gut's right. You know, and you don't even just know your gut. You're safe and you're secure in that. Would you agree to that? Oh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, I, I will say it took a, a long time to figure out that that was a thing, <laughs> a necessary thing um, to to being confident and to being great and trusting in, you know, how you're designed. So that that took a little while. And I think I wish I had known it when I was 20 or 30 that that and I've taught my daughter, you know, mm -hmm. to trust her intuition, to trust her gut. So she's 19 and um, she's done a pretty good job of that. So what what I love about this conversation is when. Tangela's intuition was so um, like palpable to me. I saw it immediately and I saw how she leaned into it. And I think for somebody looking at intuition on the outside, they might say, you know, it's like spirituality, it's mm -hmm. mental. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is it's, it's physiological. There's a physiological phenomenon happening that Tangela is in tune with and she pays attention to and she uses it to make smarter decisions. Exactly. And I think that's the important thing, too, because a lot of people think serotonin or the safety cop of the body is actually in your brain because it's a it's a chemical. It's a neurochemical. Mm -hmm. It's actually in your gut. Ninety percent of it is in your gut. So mm -hmm. literally it is important. That's the reason why a lot of people talk about how your gut health is very correlated with your brain health. Mm -hmm. It is. It really is. And what you feed your body can really help make you tired. It can make you um, have anxiety or depression. And that's mm -hmm. what the safety cop is really big on. Um, but the beauty with that, though, is whenever you tap into it, whenever you start understanding that how you were designed, okay, so I need to listen to my gut more. I need to understand whenever there's these things that make us feel like we're not safe. And um, I have a story with my son. I all the things that I learn, I teach to my kids um, because I think it, kids are so beautiful on helping me specifically make complex ideas mm -hmm. like a little bit more simple. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we always do is we have this quote unquote game is who does Amy give the keys to? And so Amy's actually your amygdala in your brain. And there was this time a few weeks back whenever um, actually before the pandemic. So it's a year back now. But my son was playing at a birthday party. He just was like getting really upset because his friend wasn't playing with him. And this was his best friend. They were just doing things. And then my son's like, 
he just kept going to the corner. I'm like, buddy, come to me, come to, come to mama. You know, I'm like, what's wrong? But whenever I was watching them, I could see that those kids were a little bit rowdier and they were on this inflatable slide and they were going up the top and they were literally pushing the kids off. Um, <laughs> and none of the parents were getting on to them. But my son was like, oh, and then even the other parents were commenting about how my my son was just to himself, like, go play. And I asked Jaylee, I was like, OK, who did Amy give the keys to? He goes, I don't know. She threw him in the trash right now. And I'm like, what? I was like, OK, because um, Amy can give it to four chemical or four different people. But the safety cop is one of them. And I asked him the next day and he's like, Mama, he goes, Amy gave the keys to the cop because if I knew that I did that, I would get in trouble and I might get hurt. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel safe and I didn't feel secure in the situation. And that's literally what the power of understanding this stuff early is. And that's what Tangela, you teaching your kid or your your child now is so important for her mm-hmm. to understand at a younger age, because whenever they get in these situations, yeah, they can listen to the gut. They can walk out and it breeds confidence, as you yeah. said earlier. It's been a lot of years, but but um I once taught these students, uh, uh, mostly women, a couple of guys who were going to do some international studies and they wanted me to do a sexual harassment class. I'm like, that's not even in my wheelhouse, but whatever. So um, I did it. And basically there's only one rule that I gave them. I said, if your gut tells you that you are in a dangerous situation, trust it. Mm-hmm. As a woman, you don't have to be nice. Sometimes women think, Oh, we have to be nice. And here's this psychopath coming after you. And you feel like you have to be nice. If your gut tells you to get away from this person, get away from this person. It was interesting because one of the young ladies had been, I don't even remember what country it was, but she stayed with this family. Well, she felt that the husband was a little much and she Mm -hmm. was right, right? Because she had an encounter with him. So I think, you know, our intuition warns us, but also our intuition gives us, um, enlightens us to opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's, I I really, on a daily basis, use my intuition to to try and help people, right? To make them feel safe and to give them that necessary feedback. Um, But it does require, when you're you're giving feedback to folks, it does require for you to almost empty your, I want to say empty your head, but you've just got to be really, really present and really, really focused. Um, and it, it is a great tool that we we really miss out on and we don't use like we should. And it, it is both spiritual and, in my opinion, and physiological, whatever, biology is involved. So yeah. it's not, to me, it's God's design to help yeah. us navigate the world. Who engineered the body? Exactly. He literally is the lead engineer. Yeah. So, so he I designed love, it for a reason. I love the fact that you give us, you know, this this science behind you know, kind of what we do every day. Well, thank you. And I think one important thing that I want to touch on too, is that it is that this is science, but it's also been backed by research. So Google Aristotle's study actually showed that psychological safety is, is the key aspect for top performing teams. Hmm. And so we know it's important. And this isn't just like on like 10 people. This was like thousands and thousands and thousands of people that they did this study on. And psychological safety, creating a space for people to come together and then they can connect 
and then they can have a conversation. So literally the work that I do, our mission is to create a space for accountability, connection and results, because I know that that fosters psychological safety, because the other aspect of psychological safety is that you have to have trust. Yeah. And trust was, is not the same as safety. I was just about to ask you to kind of elaborate, elaborate on that. You know, Stephanie and I talk a lot about leadership and we've had a lot of a lot of experience with different types of leaders. And so we could go on and on about that. But, yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about, you know, what what is it that people need to see uh, and, and feel and experience and experience in order to feel that they are safe with the leader, you know, or with the team even. So one thing is called oxytocin. It's the loving grandmother because nobody remembers oxytocin. So I call her the loving grandmother. And so it's literally to create moments of love or human connection. That's what oxytocin is all about. And that's what y'all do so effectively and efficiently. There's different ways that you can do. It. And oxytocin actually is what we have as women whenever we have our babies. It's what actually makes our contractions really, really stink. But it's how we have love at first sight. Like, Whenever you have your kids, it's like, I never thought I could love anything as much as I love my kids. Well, we're designed to have that so that we can bond. And that's what it does. So mm -hmm. the two part, two fold of psychological safety is that you have the safe where you feel like you can come up honestly and openly. So being authentic, like I said, you're extremely authentic in your words. You come and you're honest. You don't fake. And, and here's the beauty too, the sad beauty with COVID. We don't deal with fakeness anymore. Nobody does. That's interesting. That's interesting. So you will. And, and this is my theory. You will not be successful if you keep being fake. No mm -hmm. longer. Like we could kind of hide it a little bit. But now it's open free reign. We are in your rooms. We are in your homes. We're Zoom. Mm -hmm. We see because everybody's stressed out. We see what actually the high, it heightens awareness of what you actually can come. Your characters come out. So it's really showing. And those are the things that are beautiful with y'all is that you're consistent with them. But Emily, here's the thing. I'll be honest. <clears throat> I don't I don't know if people know what it what it means to be authentic. I think there's power in authenticity. I think you're just kind of good with who you are. You know, you're imperfect. There's a level of transparency there. You know, and I will say and this this probably sounds a little bit crazy, but I'm Stephanie. I know you moved around a lot to different schools, but I was a weird kid. You know, I was skinny, super skinny. I was super nerdy. And while I was always respected, I didn't have like a whole pile of friends. And eventually I really didn't care about having. So I was just weird anyway. And so I think that has mm -hmm. moved into my adulthood. So I just I only know how to be me. And that's kind of what I focused on. And if 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 someone doesn't like me or accept that, then I'm, I'm just, it's nothing I can do about it. No shade on them. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out how do we help people like not be fake? Let's say you're the most popular person ever in high school. And then you find out you're not the most popular person on earth because there are like a few billion, billion people on earth. I mean, how do we help people? And then you got social media going on and everybody's trying to be you know, the Kardashians. I mean, really, you know, 50 year old, 60 year old women trying to take their sex pose. I don't even know how to take a selfie. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So what is this all about? This, this, how do we become authentic? So here, here's the thing though. Um, there's this another chemical in the body called the dopamine and I call it the rah-rah cheerleader and I actually call it a teenage cheerleader. 
And the reason why it's these hits that we get when it's like, yeah, I feel great. Like popularity contest, when we get likes, mm-hmm. when we get things. Uh, so the, the more adapt you are to, and the more you um, over time need and want the approval of others with those dopamine releases, that teenage cheerleader, that yes, you know, that's actually bad for us. Um, what I call dopamine a lot of the times or the teenage cheerleader too, is think about whenever you first met your spouse, you know, it is this like, oh, it makes you feel good, you know, and it is this, um, what I joke sometimes is that the marriage day is like the best dopamine day. Like it's the day where it's like, yes, da, da, da. And then real life happens. Mm-hmm. And then you understand what real love is. And love mm-hmm. is like whenever you're cleaning up your, your husband's throw up, mm-hmm. you know, like. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is it's <laughs> just switch Ooh. over and to understand that we're not looking for these rewards and, and being aware of ourselves. When do we feel like we get these quick hits? Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, it dies down. Like we got to continually like hit these marks. And it's just it doesn't stay consistent and true with us. Comparative to what I call the the loving grandmother, oxytocin is really what we want to strive for. And that is finding those moments where we connect, where we bond, where we can have accountability. And it's literally love. And my definition is to be patient, kind, honest, understanding, and not boasting of ill will. So those are the things that we have to look like, look for in our organization or we have to look at our home. When are the times are we just wanting those quick like rah, rah, like pick me ups because my ego needs it? Ah, comparative to man, I I actually know who I am. I love myself and I'm authentic in my own ability, no matter who throws shade at me, no matter what Mm -hmm. comes at me, Mm -hmm. because I know me. Mm -hmm. And the quicker you can figure out who you are unapologetically and walking out in your truths, Mm -hmm. not what people throw at you, not what you feel like then you will actually get to your greatness quicker because that's how our bodies are designed. But that's also how success works. So, so Stephanie, I love that you mentioned the word ego. So Stephanie, talk about ego a little bit. I think it's necessary, but it's either sometimes it's overutilized. I think this, this really touches to the core of um, my mid-career transition. I spent the first 20 years working with executives, very wealthy men, you know, rose to executive levels of an organization. So these are people who are used to achieving things. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. used to, you know, quotes in the newspaper, accolades, honors and awards. They're used to all the rah-rahs, right? And I got to a place where I could see how that will warp your behavior. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, and then I also saw where, like I had a client worth a hundred million who was miserable because he was chasing people worth a billion. So I would get these calls because he was trying to buy the billionaire's airplane. He wasn't satisfied with the hundred million dollar. <laughs> like he, he was, he was trying to play in that league that was just out of reach and it was creating strain on me and it was creating strain on him. Like I, I, he couldn't be satisfied. I think at that point I realized that this, this could be a disease. <laughs> it could be a disease. And so Tangela, I think as you say, ego I woke up mid-career and said, I I want to be self-realized. I, mm-hmm. I love accomplishing things. I do have ambition. I want to be my best and achieve, but I don't want to make it a weird distortion mm-hmm. of who I really am. Cause then I think you move away from God. Yeah. And and frankly, you know, I saw 
a real deficit, like a real emotional and psychological deficit. And I call it the gilded cage. Mm. It's like you might be in a golden palace, but you might absolutely feel a deficit because mm. you've missed, you've missed that thing that Tangela embraced young. Um, I want to bring this up and this could be probably another session, but as you're talking about intuition, I stumbled on a book a few years ago called the gift of fear by Gavin mm. Becker, mm. And it, it was absolutely phenomenal. And he talks about women. He uses the example of women because they tend to be targets um, who are often too nice. Mm-hmm. You know, comes and asks for help or somebody offers to help you in a parking lot. I'll help you load your groceries. Like mm-hmm. we're so nice. We're so nice. It creates, it creates vulnerability for us. But I love this book because I realized that I was really not taught to respect my fear. And uh, it, it yeah. came, it, it became really real to me um, later in my career, not because I felt physical threat, mm-hmm. but I was in the room with um, some personas that I did not feel safe with. Mm-hmm. And I could not tell you why I did not feel safe. And I was sort of like, well, they haven't done anything to you. Like, why don't you feel safe? You know, I was sort of like mm-hmm. trying to get my head back in the game. Like, they're nice people, you know, well, look what they've accomplished or look at mm-hmm. these, look at these accolades. Like <laughs> you can kind of get caught up in extrinsic stuff mm-hmm. and talk yourself out of your own sensibility. And in truth, in truth, as things progressed, um, there were behaviors and decisions that made manifest that gave me absolutely an understanding as to why I felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it wasn't like in business dealings. And, and I'm telling you, like, if you think sexual harassment's your worst, like scenario, mm-hmm. your worst, you know, one of, one of the worst scenarios could be investing with somebody like Bernie Madoff, who you put your life savings with yeah, and you realize that it's a fraud. Like mm-hmm. that guy's unsafe. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. destruction. So there's all kinds of destruction. And when we feel unsafe, I love this, Emily, on so many levels, good leaders know how to foster safety. They have the micro moments that create safe space. They're authentic. They, they, um, you know, they do what they say. They say what they mean. Mm-hmm. There's like truth there, right? There's so much. And I, and I, one thing I really want to hit on, because it actually closes out on the four chemicals that we talk about. It's actually, I call it the angry coworker and it's cortisol. A lot of people give cortisol, which is the stress hormone in the body, a really bad rap because they correlate it with fear. And I love what you're talking about with this because what cortisol actually does, it can do fight, fight and freeze. Everybody hears about those. Mm-hmm. But what people don't hear about is how it can actually mask, which is not actually a good thing, which is reason why people some people don't think COVID's real, because if I don't have to interpret it, I don't have to deal with it. But what you talked about right there is that it can either care and connect. Those are two things. So literally fear can shut your learning centers down mm-hmm. or it can heighten your awareness. That is so important for people to understand because I'm going to, and what I've seen, 85 to 90% of people, they, they go fight, flight, or freeze. That's what they do whenever, whenever they shut down. And so literally you cannot think. And so they can't grab in into their intuition. They cannot listen to their gut. Mm-hmm. They can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. But the ones that can tap in quicker and understand whenever those fear stretch uh, situations, that, that's a heightened awareness. And that's like you, you, you understood in your fear, in your area. Hey, something's not right here. I need to, to, to look around, to observe. 
leaders, you're you're responsible for this. You put your workers in a place where they can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. Shame on you. You put them in such a place that they're so stressed. They can't spend time with their families or, or their spouse, their loved ones, because they have got you put them in a situation where they've got to make this dollar to take care of their family. Then they end up with high blood pressure. They end up with all these physical ailments. So shame on you. Mm-hmm. New leaders are stewards of an organization and of people. And in order to be a great steward, you have a responsibility to the folks that work for you to not only create that product for your shareholders or whatever it is you're doing, but you have a responsibility to make sure you're not destroying lives through your craziness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see another session with Emily because you are singing, you know, I'm, you're, am I the choir or you're the preacher? Cause I'm amen. <laughs> and, and honestly, I, I've been in that environment where we were so profit driven. Yeah. We were so, um, so ambitious, which is beautiful. Yes. It was, it was to a place where, you know, we didn't want to take a bathroom break because we just wanted to keep driving. And, and so what, um, really as I'm, as I'm in this chapter focusing on wealth and well being, you know, the well being part is because of my own experience. I, and I, I would say if I said in certain executive circles, we've got to invest in well being. Um, the, the viewpoint would have been, well, that's a drag on profitability. And what I love about Emily and what I love about you is I believe if you invest in well-being, it can enhance productivity. It can enhance profitability. Yeah. Like it does maximize yeah. the corporate output. It's not, it's not going to deplete it. I think it will accelerate it. That's why you said, you said um, earlier that great teams, I forget, I wrote it down somewhere. Great teams feel psychological safety. That's why they're great teams mm-hmm. because they're freed up to use their brilliance to create and to innovate. This is actually an ROI story as well, just mm-hmm. as much because example, I used to actually design um, machinery for the carpet industry. And when anything went wrong, like they would look, they'd be like, Hey, Emily, you jacked that up. You messed that up. Like yeah. I messed up the machine that I created yet. Um, but they want it to be efficient and effective. They wanted it to work. So they needed to maintain it. Yet, whenever we get in corporate, we do the, the reverse. We literally, and not that I want people to be machines, but that's kind of what they want an output. They want it to not be a squeaky wheel. They want it to actually move and flow. Yet, when things jack up, they blame the the wheel. They they blame the machine instead of saying, how did you design it? What are the engineering processes? What are the policies um, and I think one of the most sad but beautiful things is that new research has came out that your leaders, your work environment has more impact than your primary care doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, as you guys talked, it literally, it has so much more impact than anything. So I think this is an important subject and I'm so glad that y'all brought me on to even speak about Yay. it. So major thank you to y'all. We love it. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate, we don't take your your time and energy listening to us for granted. We're so grateful and we love, love, love spending time with you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Intentional Power with Tangela Johnson and Stephanie Crow. If this touched you in any way, we do want to ask you to like, subscribe, and share with your friends as our goal is to continue 
to move more leaders toward fulfilling their highest purpose, leveraging their interests and passions, making a difference in the world, and monetizing their value and potential.